Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. This is the resurrection message that I want to preach. I didn't feel like I could completely go by the Easter season without preaching a message dealing with the resurrection of Christ. We're going to do that this morning. We look at these first 10 verses, chapter 28, the Gospel of Matthew. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For well, the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall ye see him, though I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, and said, All hail. They came and held him by the feet and worshipped him, and then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, there shall they see me. If you were asked to select an event in history, that has impacted you or has gone down in history as perhaps the greatest single event in all of the world, what might you select? And as we on the surface began to consider that question, probably some would say, well, the most dynamic thing that has ever been recorded is the creation. God brought the world into being, placed Adam and Eve in the garden. Or you might think a little further up the line and say, well, certainly one of the most dynamic events that ever happened in all the history of the world is the crossing of the Red Sea, when God parted the waters and all those three million Hebrew people crossed on dry land, not in mud, but on dry land. Or some might think, well, certainly the event of the Second World War was one of the most dynamic events of all history. And on and on we could go with our thoughts and selection of that particular event. But I want to suggest to you that there is an obscure thing that happened in history, not well recorded, doesn't take many volumes, in the history books to identify 
didn't happen by any great general's activities. The very simple thing of Jesus Christ coming out of the grave. That has impacted more people than any other event in history and has impacted you and me. Because without that event, there would be no reason for us to be here this morning. All of the gathering together of people in churches all over the world would be absolutely senseless if it were not for that event. That our Savior, whom we serve, we claim that we love, very unannounced on a Sunday morning, early, just came out of the grave. As we've been there, or as we say, three days. Had he not come out of the grave, he would have been a great man. He would have taken his place in the history books amongst all the other great men of the world, the great teachers, perhaps great philosophers, certainly a great religious man. But his death would have been passed over with little more than just a simple memory that here was a man who lived, he was executed, he was buried, and his tomb exists. All of the others, great men of the world, have gone that route. There are controversies that face us continually. One of the controversies that we're in, and I suppose will be until the Lord returns, is whether or not the world was created or whether it evolved. That has been a subject of discussion for hundreds of years, and most especially since Darwin uh, proposed the things that he did about the selection of the species and so on that have caused scientists and educators to advocate that the world came into being by evolving from some obscure molecule in some swamp, in some obscure part of the world, and by accident has developed into all the various species that we have, and the forms of life, and the order that is in existence now. Although many of those television programs that I like to watch so well about ancient history and the evolving of uh, mankind and the animal world are so intriguing, and yet they are so fallible in that they deny <coughs> that it all came about to be caused of the will of God. <coughs> and it is this same basic denial of God that brings people into the question the issue as to whether or not there was a literal resurrection. 
And in the minds of many people, the resurrection has fallen into the same category as the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and all the other things that we hold to as tradition. They say it means nothing more than it's the beginning of the spring season and that we ought to honor it as that and nothing more. Did Jesus in fact arise from the grave or is he still in it? If he's still in it, then let's go with the Easter Bunny and all the other things and forget about this stuff that we do in church. But if he has resurrected from the grave, then let's put our minds and hearts into serving a risen Lord, not one who is dead. They tried to say on that Sunday when they couldn't find a body that his disciples had come and stolen his body. Paul said when he spoke to the Corinthians in the 15th chapter, he said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith also is vain. You don't have anything. I have nothing to preach about. You have nothing to hear. You have no reason for reading the scriptures if there is no resurrection. But he didn't stop at that point. He goes on in the 17th verse of that same 15th chapter and he said, and you are still in your sins. Do you realize that if Jesus Christ did not arise from the grave that our sins had not been paid for, we're still in them, responsible for them and covered up by them and condemned because of them. Unless Jesus Christ did in fact come out of the grave. Salvation is based upon the resurrection of Christ. And without it, we cannot even begin to preach a need for being saved. The first sermon that Peter preached, recorded in the book of Acts, the second chapter, he said these words as a part of that sermon there on the day of Pentecost after they burst out of the upper room and went out on the streets and, and all of the townspeople were accusing the apostles of being drunk. And Peter stood up and began to preach to them. And he said in part, God raised him, that is Jesus, up again. God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Death could not hold Christ because God raised him from the dead to verify that death has no final authority over the believer. 
We all will physically die. But those of us who have had the second birth will never experience spiritual death. Because Jesus verified that life exists beyond the physical death. Paul preached it all the way through his ministry. Before the Sanhedrin, he preached the resurrection. Before Felix and Agrippa and to the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, to all of those he preached the resurrection. Jesus himself said in the final book of the New Testament, Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall live even if he dies. That verse has become extremely important to me to realize that this is the foundation of our faith. The devastation of our daughter Lynn's death last year as any death is of anybody, leaves its scars upon the people who are left behind. And this verse has become valuable to me in realizing that she isn't dead at all. Because Jesus arose from the grave and proclaims, I am the resurrection and the life, he that believes in me shall live he dies. We all pass that way at some point. We'll live because he came out of the grave. But what does the world say about all this? I want to suggest three approaches that the world takes to the, or to the resurrection. First of all, the world wants to rationalize it away and say, ah, it never really happened. It never really happened. They will say there's no scientific proof. There's no evidence that he came out of the grave that we can hang on to. And they say that it is just plain not reasonable that a man who has been dead that long could come back to life. This isn't reasonable. Translation. They say, if my mind cannot comprehend it, Therefore, it did not happen. That's the response of the world. And we fall into that trap at times, even as we try to understand the scriptures and say to others and to ourselves, if I can't understand it, it can't have taken place. And then we learn, little by little by little, as we sit in Sunday school classes and in Bible studies and in worship services, 
we began to learn and discover that our lack of comprehension didn't make it not so. It was so in spite of our ability to understand. I cannot begin to comprehend how electricity worked, although I studied the subject in school. But I know that if I go back there and turn that switch down, the lights will go off, and I flip the switch up, the lights will come on. It doesn't mean that I won't accept and respond to the flip of the switch, even though I don't comprehend it. Why should we turn off the truths of God's Word because our minds are so finite, so small, that we can't begin to understand how it works? But this is what the world does. There's, there was no resurrection because I don't understand it. Secondly, they always say, I... Uh, in indifference. They will respond in indifference. I really don't care. This is the major response, I think, of most of the people of the world today. So I don't care whether he arose or not. Let me tell you, I care that he arose. And I think you care that he arose. But the world says, I don't care. They say, let's enjoy our Easter eggs and our celebration of the spring season and forget about this thing called somebody who died on a cross and they put him in a grave and he arose out of the grave. I really don't care. But there are some who take it in hostility. History reveals that Christians have been persecuted for their faith and have died by the millions. There is an island in the Pacific. I don't know if I can pronounce the name, but I'll stab at it. Maybe some of you will know it, Ryukyu. They discovered after the Second World War that on that island there was a mass grave of 11,000 heads that had been separated from their bodies. And the reason it was done was to say to those 11,000 Christian peoples, now let's see resurrect because you don't have a head on your body. As if that were going to stop God in bringing out of the grave the bodies of those faithful, and they were all 11,000 Christian people who died and were executed by being beheaded, and their skulls were all put in the mass grave here, and their bodies over here, and in the mind of their executors, it was impossible for them to resurrect. But the day's going to come, our scripture tells us, when on that island, the bodies here and the skulls here will be reunited according to Ezekiel's dry uh, bones in the valley and will be brought back together. God has not lost track of the bodies of his saints, even those who have... Um, been cremated, or those who were buried in the depths of the sea and have disintegrated, have uh, totally deteriorated, those elements of those bodies will be brought back together and reunited because the soul of the saved who is now in heaven with Jesus Christ will come with him and reoccupy 
at that point in time, their resurrected body. But the world is in hostility to what we preach. We'll do everything they can to destroy what we say. Matthew focuses upon the reaction of some of his followers who really didn't believe. None of the disciples really comprehended that there would be a resurrection. None of the women that were in the group. Then on Easter Sunday morning, two Marys, Mary Magdalene and another Mary, made their way out to the tomb where they were going to finally prepare the body for its final resting. You remember that on Friday they had to prepare the body in a hurry and didn't get it completely done because it had to be over with before 6 o'clock when the Sabbath day started. Now, the Marys come to the tomb and discover that the stone has been rolled away. Matthew tells us that it was caused by an earthquake that happened when an angel came down from heaven, descended from God, and rolled back the stone. It's interesting to me that throughout the Bible there are references to earthquakes. When God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai, there was an earthquake. When he appeared to Elijah at Mount Horeb, there was an earthquake. At the crucifixion on Friday, there was an earthquake. And now at the resurrection, there is an earthquake. We're told at the end of time that there will be earthquakes innumerable. This particular one, the angel came and rolled away the stone. For what purpose? To let the Lord out? No. To allow the women and the disciples to look in and see that he has departed. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave, he called him forth out of the tomb through an open door. But he was still bound in the grave clothes, and he said to Mary and Martha, Now unwrap him and let him go. But when Jesus resurrected from the grave, they looked in and they found his clothes lying there on the slab. And a special note needs to be made. The, the napkin, the cloth that was wrapped around his bleeding head, his bruised head, where they had the thorns on him, was neatly folded and laid by itself. And the scripture says that there was an earthquake and the guards shook so badly that they passed out, they fainted. You know the word shook that is used there in the fourth verse regarding the guards is the same word, same root word as earthquake. And I want to suggest to you that you will believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ or you'll have your own earthquake. One of the two. God caused such great fear to fall upon those guards that they passed out. They shook. They quaked with fear. With the angel, he 
calmly upon the stone that had covered the door and said to the women, do not be afraid. But he isn't here. He has arisen. Come on, look, see where he was, where he laid, where he had been, where he is no longer. We don't serve a dead Christ. That's why on the crosses that we carry as symbols, there is no body hanging there as the Catholics use. But we believe that we look inside the tomb and discover that he was no longer dead, that he was alive. We serve a risen Savior. Look in the tomb this morning and see the place where he was. But now, where is he? But in our midst, in our hearts, and in our lives, there to bless us, to live with us forever, to give us eternal life. If you're not a Christian this morning, we certainly encourage and invite you to step forward as we close our service with a hymn. And you claim the same Savior that we have talked about. Accept his death on the cross as the sacrifice for your sins and believe that he arose from the grave. For if you believe in his resurrection, you're on the right track to salvation. You must believe that he arose from the grave if you want to be saved. Let's pause for just a moment, friend. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.